0: Welcome to the LifeHouse podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Alright, Well, so we are in uh, the, the fourth week, I believe, of uh, our series on Romans All Roads Lead To. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited to bring the word this morning. Um, Not going to lie though, I have some mixed feelings about it. When Pastor Josh asked me if uh, I would like to speak on Romans, I very much had mixed feelings. And one side of me, uh, I was pretty excited too, but then the other side of me, um, I I was a little nervous. And then when uh, Pastor Josh actually said... Um, asked me to focus on chapter 8, I was like, holy smokes, like, because that's just like such a, such a rich part of Scripture. It's uh, a lot of people's favorite book of the Bible out of, like, sorry, chapters out of the Bible. is a lot of people's favorite chapter. Um, and so that excitement turned into a little bit of anxiousness, and I was like, oh, okay, because it's like Paul's, like, his pistol resistance uh, of, of the book of Romans. It's like one of the pinnacles. And uh, not only that, but I'm actually living, uh, I live with two, two of my best mates, uh, Seb, and as well Pastor Mitchell, who is uh, studying his third year um, in doing a Bachelor of Theology. And so what was going through my mind when Josh asked me to speak on this is that if I get anything wrong, uh, Mitchell is going to sneak into my room when I'm sleeping and pull a Nerf gun to my head or something like that. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm really looking forward to um, speaking this morning. And yeah, particularly just because like chapter 8 in the book of Romans is just this beautiful, rich uh, chapter of, of just life and like, yeah, new life in the Spirit. Um, and yeah, I'm just praying that this morning that the Holy Spirit will just be teaching us uh, something more about Himself and revealing something new to us. So, hey, we ready this morning, church? Great. Awesome. Well, we're going to get right into it. Uh, But before we get into chapter 8, we're going to take two steps, one or two steps back and uh, look at the previous couple of chapters. So looking at chapters 6 and 7, because these sort of build up and lead up into chapter 8. And so what Paul is saying can basically be summed up, all of chapters 6 and 7 can be summed up by the game of of tug-of-war. Now, everyone know what tug-of-war is? Everyone understand that game? Pretty pretty simple game. We always do it at youth camps. It always seems to work its way in, um, and things like that. But it's a really simple game. You have two teams or just two people and something to connect them with. Generally, it's a big rope. Uh, and basically, it's just not a lot of strategy. It's just purely to find out who's strongest, who gets the bragging rights, and you have to pull your opponent over onto your side. And so we have a just a video, uh, quick little video, just to show the effort that's needed sometimes to. Uh, keep yourself from losing and the efforts that's actually required to, to win. And so this, this is a, a USA versus Canada army training thing. As you can see, they are just struggling to just not just pull their opponent over, but just to stay in place. And it's funny because you can just straight away see, see their faces just go from normal colour uh, to just red. And they're just like, yeah, struggling, going at it. And so that... That really, in what, what Paul is saying, um, is that is chapter six and seven of Romans. And that how our inner life is sometimes like a constant game of tug of war. And, you know, one side of us wants to do what is good, one side wants to do uh, what, you know, to follow God and to follow his ways. And then there's another side of us that is trying to pull us away from that. And it feels like on the inside of us, there's a constant game of tug of war that's happening. And so Paul puts it like this in uh, Romans chapter seven, verse eighteen to nineteen, and this is talking about uh, his his own life. So he says, "And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway." And I think we can all re- relate to that uh, in one way or another. That there's times where we're conflicted inside. And, you know, we know we should do one thing, uh, but something within us that, as Paul says, our sinful nature or the flesh is like pulling us to do the opposite. And it feels like there's this fight going on inside. And for a long time, uh, th- throughout the, the history of the Bible, the power of, of sin would overcome every person. It would overcome every person. But because of Jesus' death and resurrection, that power and that effect that sin once had over us is broken. And that there is new life in the Spirit. And so in Romans, Romans 8, there are so many truths that Paul talks about that are not only applicable to, to the Roman church, the people that he was actually writing to back in, in that day and age, but also to us now. And how, yeah, there is new life in the Spirit and how we can apply that. So we're going to be looking at that this morning. So, I've got three points for this morning. So, so the first one is that in the Spirit, there is freedom. In the Spirit, there is freedom. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 to 2, Paul says this Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So you see, before Jesus' uh, death and resurrection, uh, the people would have to follow what was called the Torah the Torah. And this was basically, this basically means the the law or like book of instruction. And so this was given to a guy called Moses uh, thousands of years ago. And what what they did with this is that it would show, uh, you know, people how they were to live their lives, how they were to live their life in a way that was acceptable to God. But the problem uh, with, with the law was that when someone broke it, it 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 made them in wrong standing with God, and there was nothing that they could really do to ever properly and fully um, be acceptable to God. And so, when when the law was broken, it it couldn't take away people's mistakes, and it couldn't make them right with God. Instead, the law only showed uh, people how bad they were. And in Romans 3 verse 20, Paul says that, "'For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands.'" the law simply shows how sinful we are. And uh, you know, we we hear that and we're like, great, thanks God, I feel so much better, (laughs) like can never get right with you. Um, But then like two verses later in, in verse 22, Paul actually goes on and then addresses this and he says, but we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. And we're made right, uh, with God, because when we when we decide to follow Jesus, we have what Paul describes here as having died to the law. That we have actually died to the law, died to the old old way of doing things. We've actually died to our our old nature, and because we are no longer held to that, because we have died to that, we have no longer um, held to that law, and we no longer have to pay the penalty of death. You know, spiritual death that occurred when the Torah was broken. And when you think about this, this actually makes perfect sense. See, for example, if you were speeding, not down Mitchell Avenue on East Side and you don't do 70 in the fifty zone because no one ever does it. But say say you were speeding, say you were speeding and went past a police officer, you would get a fine, right? You'd get a fine because you broke the law. And and say, oddly enough, after getting that fine, breaking the law, you, you get a fine, you haven't paid it yet but oddly enough, you get hit in the face by a watermelon falling from the sky and die, hypothetically, hypothetically, like, you, you actually wouldn't have to pay that fine because, like, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving advice to just say, like, if you get arrested, die, please don't do that. But I'm just saying, like, like if, if, we, if we are actually, if we die, when we die, that we are actually no longer held to the law that we actually don't have to pay the penalty of breaking the law. And so what Paul is saying is that when we come into a relationship with Christ, our old nature dies. And so instead we we have a new life and that we no longer have to pay the penalty of of yeah, the penalty of of sin. And um and and preparing for this message, I was reading a book on Romans um, by one guy. His name is Frederick Bruce, uh, and he's a professor of interpreting Scripture. And this is a book that uh, Pastor Mitchell like, gave to me to help me uh, prepare. And I love what he says. This is what he says um, ab- about this Scripture, about this part. And he says, What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in His life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, He took sin down with Him, but alive, He brings God down to us. And I just think that's a beautiful summary of of just that part of Scripture. And so instead of the old law, which showed only how bad we were, how far away we actually were from God, that there is now actually a new law of the Spirit, which is one of new life and which is one that brings freedom. So, in the Spirit, there is freedom. Alright, so second point for this morning. In the Spirit, there is support. In the Spirit, there is support. And so, Romans 8, verse 12 to 13. Paul says this, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. And uh, now what, what Paul meant here um, by put to death your sinful nature is basically to consider it dead. That's kind of the translation. That it doesn't actually die, but like you are to consider it dead. And so because of our new life in the Spirit, we no longer have to live the old way anymore. You know, because we've been set free... That because in the spirit there is freedom, and so we've actually been broken free from that that penalty, from that bondage. Um, but you know, we we still, I guess, have that choice to make of actually considering our old way as dead. And uh, th- this reminds me of mullets. Um, yeah, the hair the haircut. Oddly enough, best transition of a sermon <laughs> sermon analogy. But the, the, yeah, it's weird because like. Uh, there's been a weird thing going on with men's grooming lately. I don't understand why, and I don't know how, but mullets have kind of come back into fashion. They're starting to come back into fashion. I was at work two days ago. Um, I, I work as a merchandiser for Tip Top, so I go into the different supermarkets in the morning um, to put up our stock, and I just saw this like young guy um, from footy, um, yeah, and he just had like a mullet that was down to here, sh- sh- all the side shaved, slick um, and I was like, how has this come back into fashion? How, how is this back? And so I, I, obviously obviously, I wasn't around in the time, but like in the 80s, in the 80s, the, the mullet was a very popular hairstyle. Any of the guys in here, did anyone have a mullet in the 80s? If you're brave enough to put your hand up. Oh, straight away. Okay. Pastor Josh Ripper. All right. I need to bring up some photos, I reckon. And so... And so strangely enough that can kind of be compared to what Paul is talking about is that, you know, mullet's were like the old way of doing things. Like everyone was doing them. They were like popular there, there was a there was a time where that was happening. But now even though we're in 2021, you know, some people are refusing to let it go. Some people are refusing. Some people are refusing to let it die. But I mean, Come on, like, well, we should consider it dead, right? It had, it had its time, let it die, don't try and resurrect it again. And so likewise, what Paul is saying is that we should consider our old life as dead. You know, and that because we have new life in the Spirit, we shouldn't be trying to bring the old ways back to life. You know, but it's not always easy to do that. And I'm sure like everyone would, would agree with that. It's not always easy to just do that. You know, because there's, there's still that conflict inside of us. There's still that tug of war inside of us that continues to happen. And, but the amazing thing is that the Spirit, in the Spirit, there is support. I love what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And in those those times where in our life, where that tug of war is happening, where that conflict is happening, we are actually reminded that the Holy Spirit is there for us, that the Holy Spirit is actually there to support us, that He he is actually there there to encourage us, to prompt us, to strengthen us, to remind us that He is actually there for us and that He is our support. The Spirit is our support. And I love... uh, that, that verse, how, how it says that the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. Because it paints that picture that when we're struggling and when we're going through those times where we're conflicted inside, where, you know, we want to we do what's right or we're, we're not sure exactly which direction that we're meant to be going, that the, the Holy Spirit is actually there interceding, pleading to God with us. And I just think that's a beautiful thing about God. And I guess you could view it like this. In that video that we played earlier about the tug-of-war, you know it was you could clearly see it, it was a struggle to win, you know and actually watching the rest of that video uh, was kind of a two and a half minute waste of my time but because nothing really happened because they they were both really struggling to to try and pull their opponent across, but they they, they just couldn 't and so I guess we can almost see it as like that, but like the Holy Spirit is our support in the in the spirit there is support, and so it's like we, like like we're one of those guys in the tug-of-war except the Holy Spirit then comes in as like a second person to help pull us in the right direction and so the conflict still goes on that that tug-of-war inside of us the conflict still goes on inside of us but the Holy Spirit is there to support us and where the Spirit is in control our old nature is mastered so so in the Spirit there is support and lastly, in the Spirit, there is sonship. In the Spirit, there is sonship. And if you don't remember anything else from, from, from this message, like please just remember this. Please remember this point, that in the Spirit, there is sonship. So in Romans 8, verses 15 to 17, Paul says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And I think this is, this is one of the most beautiful Descriptions of what it means to be a Christian, what it means uh, to, to sum up having a relationship with God. And that is that we are adopted by God as his sons. We are adopted by God as his own children. You see, when we choose to follow Christ, when we choose to follow Christ, we become adopted as God's own children. And hearing the, the term adoption, you may have a few ideas pop into your head of what that looks like, but you kind of have to actually understand what that term meant back in first century, like AD Roman culture. Because in in the Roman world, an adopted son was deliberately chosen by his adoptive father to spread his name and to inherit his estate. And I think nowadays as a a Western Western culture, we can uh, tend to think of adoption through the lens of a last resort for for a couple who can't conceive, or even for you know, or otherwise, um, if you know a couple does choose to adopt uh, children, even if they have then children of their own, they may not have that quite same status as you know the children that were born to them compared to the ones that they adopted. And I'm not saying this is like the case for everyone. I know that there are people in this church. Who, who have adopted children and are doing just such an amazing job, like just bringing them into a loving home. Uh, but I think that generally as a Western culture, they are the things that we, we can think of. But, you know, in, in, in that culture that Paul is writing, as I said, those who were adopted were specifically and intentionally chosen by their adoptive father to spread his name and to inherit his estate. And some scholars even uh, believe that those who were adopted may have actually had greater affection shown to them over the children that were born to the father because the father actually chose them to come into his family you know compared to his children who who were born to him and he didn't really have much choice over and and the weird thing about this whole idea of adoption is that it doesn't it doesn't really make sense to us because you know, the son being adopted or the child being adopted didn't have to do anything. He just had to accept the invitation. He didn't have to give anything in return back to the, back to the father. He, he just had to choose to accept the invitation. And uh, yeah, like, like Pastor Josh said, um, I, I'm on the, I serve on the youth team uh, and I also lead the junior high ministry, which is also youth age and a couple of the guys are sitting down here. And uh, I, love, I love doing this. I really, really love doing this. I love being involved with the young people of our community, being uh, able to be a part of their life, having them involved in my life. And um, there's specifically a few few young boys that I've been getting around. And uh, so I organize times, you know, where we can hang out. We go to the city. I pick them up for youth. I drop them home afterwards. Uh, I, uh, you know, buy them food. Like I... I'm there listening whenever, you know, they have these things going on in their lives. And, um, and you know, and even though I, I do all of that, and so many of the leaders on the youth team do all that, you know, some, sometimes they leave my car a mess. You know, sometimes they, they frustrate me because they're being disrespectful to other people. Sometimes, you know, they don't say thank you. Sometimes they make decisions that they regret. And looking at it, it can seem like you know I'm the one who's doing a lot, and I'm not really getting anything back in return. Because again, in our Western culture, it's kind of like you do something for me, I do something for you, and so it doesn't necessarily make sense, you know, why why we do all this, or like why I'm doing all this for these boys. But it's simply just because like I love those boys. I just I just love those boys, and I, I wanna I wanna get around them. And invest into them and, and to speak life into them even though they may not be speaking life into themselves. You know, even when they they do, even when they do leave my car a mess, even when they are disrespectful, even when when sometimes they don't say thank you or you know, sometimes they don't listen to me even from all of that I love those boys and I want to be getting around them and, and the thing is that they, they don't have to give anything back to me. Like, they don't have to return anything. They just have to simply accept the, that invitation that I'm actually, you know, giving them. That invitation I'm offering them. And so, like, they don't have to stop this habit. They don't have to clean up this area of their life. They don't have to start doing this thing. Like, it's just simply like, hey, you guys can just, just come. You guys can just like, hey, just hang out with me kind of thing. All they have to do is accept the the invitation um, offering. And when we think about it, you know, that's actually us to God. You know, that's God to us. You know, he he loves us even when we make a mess of things. He loves us even though we may not always be grateful for what he's given us. He loves us even though we may be picking up a bit of dirt along the way, even when we make some mistakes, even when our life isn't in perfect order, even if we're having this inner tug of war in our lives, He loves us so much. And that love is so strong that nothing can ever separate us from His love. And in Romans 8 verse 38, just as we're closing, Paul explains the love that God has for us like this. So in Romans 8 verse 38 says, our Lord. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from God's love and that's because He views us as His own son. He views you as His own son, as His own daughter. So church, there's nothing that can separate you from from God's love because in the Spirit there is sonship. And through Jesus, God adopts us as His own children. If the worship band want to come back up, that would be great. And so, even though there's that tug of war going on inside of us, even even though that there, yeah, there's that tug of war, there's that conflict that's happening with within us, we can remember that because of the Spirit, there is freedom. You know that there is freedom, there is support, and that in the in the Spirit, there is sonship. And that even when we're conflicted, even when there's that tug of war going on inside of us, that we actually don't need to rely on our own strength. We don't need to rely on, like, the, like, like the old, in the Old Testament, all the Israelites and the people of God, we don't have to try and strive to, to do the works, to try and be good, to try and earn our, our way into God's favour but that in the Spirit there is new life. In the Spirit there is freedom. In the Spirit there is support. And in the Spirit there is sonship. That we are the sons and daughters of the living God. Why don't you pray with me this morning, church? God, we just thank you that you have called us as your sons and daughters. God, we thank you that you don't require us to do works. You don't require us to do things to to earn your favor, but you just simply say, come as you are. And God, we thank you that because of you, Jesus, we are able to enter into new life, that we are able to enter into a new life in this spirit, one where there is freedom, one where there is support, one where there is sonship, where we are called your sons and daughters and adopted into your royal family. And wh- while every eye is still closed, I just get the sense that there are some, some people here who, who, who have that real inner conflict, who have that inner conflict and, and they don't know how, how else they can go about it. There, there may be that sense of like, I just want to do good in my life. But there is something within me that is just pulling me down this other road. And if that's you, I would love to love to pray for you this morning. If that's you and you've you're just got that inner conflict, there's that tug of war going on inside you, whether it's like something where that might lead you down to, to make some mistakes or whether it's just you're conflicted because you don't know necessarily the direction that you need to go. If you would just put your hand up. just love to pray for you this morning. Yep. Yep, see those hands at the front. Awesome. Well, why don't you stand in there and then we'll pray and, and worship. God, I just pray for every person young and old, male or female, who is here this morning, God. We just pray, Father, that no matter what it is that is causing that tug of war within them, God, no matter what what mistake might be trying from their past, might be trying to pull them back, no matter what decision that they made might be trying to pull them back, God, that nothing can ever separate them from your love, that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. So Holy Spirit, just in this moment, would you just speak to every single person in this, in this place? Give them a word, God. Give them a fresh word of who you are, of your love, of your joy, of your hope that is found in only your name, Jesus. So Jesus, we just pray that in this next moment of worship, that you will just be with us, that your Holy Spirit will just be dwelling among us, God, and that you will just be speaking to us, Father, so that you can actually help us, that you will give us the strength to live for your name, that we don't have to rely on our own strength, but Holy Spirit, that you are there giving us new life, giving us support, giving us freedom and reminding us that we are your sons and daughters. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to infolife.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Life House. God's house, our home.